the South of the Six podcast, bringing you the latest on your favorite Toronto sports teams from south of the Canadian border. Here's your host, Adam Corsair. All right, here we go. Welcome to episode 102 of the South of the Six podcast. We are part of the stadium scene.tv network and part of the Overtime Media crew. So here we go. Raptors pretty much had a an up and down week. We're going to talk all about it. Joining me today is Connor Chambers of TorontoSportsViews.com and the newly the newly dubbed Toronto Sports Views podcast. Connor, what's going on? Uh, not much, Adam. Uh, feels like we haven't talked in forever. Almost like two days two <laughs> days ago on my <laughs> podcast. So um, That's true. I'm really I'm really uh, I'm really excited about this one. Uh, I know it's kind of like almost like a back to back, but. Um, there's still so much to talk about when it comes to the Raptors, so um, it's, we're not going to be lacking any topics, that's for sure. All right, so here we go. It's Seltzer Water. We're recording oh. this. We're recording this on uh, Saturday morning, so it, I can't be drinking beer in the morning, man. I'm kind of hey. a dad now. But hey, you, um, know, you got you got to get that dad bod though. Yeah, beer helps with the dad bod, man. Yeah, man I got to keep up with my child. That's the thing. Once you start to walk yeah. him. I'm going to have to keep up with it. You know what I am worried about? All right. So, like I said, we're recording this Saturday morning. Um, I don't know if anybody out there that's listening to this does have children, or even if you don't. Um, it kind of crept up on us. Daylight savings time is tomorrow, and it sucks. Yes, it I hate, hate springtime daylight savings time because it, it, you lose that hour. This is why the fall is so much better because you gain an hour. But yeah. for springtime, you lose it. And it's awful, man. It's just, it, and I don't know if this is going to mess with my child's sleep pattern because even now we put her down at 6 p.m. around 6, 6.30. It's dark, but starting tomorrow, 6, 6.30 is going to be 5, 5.30, yeah. right? And it's it's still going to be light out. So I don't know if that's going to mess with her. I don't know if we're going to have to push it now to 7, 7.30. You might have to. Yeah. Either way, I, I selfishly I love it, but like I get it for like for for a, for a parent for a dad. No, that's uh, a, for a new for a new baby toddler whatever. It's um, that would be really tough because children are legit creatures of habit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And and if something's off, they they look at you and then they just start breaking down and crying. You're like, oh no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, yeah. Okay, well, uh, I I will I will say a couple prayers for you <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> um, child or children, you know their their sleep patterns aside, um, you you like losing an hour of sleep. How does that work? I just like the I like the sun. The anticipation. Like, I, I like yeah. I like having that later in my day. Um, if it were up to me, I would just keep the clocks the same. I don't know why we go back and forth. Something to do with the farmers. Well, I don't know. Yeah. I'm is, uneducated. This is the, this in the 19, like early 1900s anymore. Like, we're, yeah. we're, we have evolved as a species. It is time to evolve our clocks. That's I want to say that Hawaii never changes their clocks. They don't. They don't need to. I There's could be a wrong state in the states that never changes their clocks. I think it's Hawaii. It's like, no, there, it's it's a like it's actually like, like within a the state Midwest. in within within the mid yeah. Um, and I can't remember what it is now, but I knew I knew somebody who lived in that state. And when we changed the clocks, his clock never changed. Okay, maybe it's because Denver operates on Mountain Time, 
So I don't know if mountain time change. I don't know, dude. I don't know how this works, but no, it, I'll it, it'll it'll come to me probably during the middle of this podcast, and you'll be like talking about something, and I'll be like Arkansas yeah. or something. Like what? What the hell are you talking yeah. about? No, nothing. I mean, I do anticipate the spring. It's sort of in my bones right now that I get in this mode around February, March, that I'm my body just craves spring, and it, it, I look outside, and there's some sort of disconnect to what my myself wants and to what I'm looking yeah. at outside. And it's, it's very similar to how I am late summer into fall. Like, I, I crave that at that time. I never crave winter, and I never crave summer. I hate both seasons. But spring and fall, like the in-between seasons, I'm, I'm sort of like Goldilocks in that aspect. Yeah. Everything needs to be just right. You know? Yeah, fall's my, fall's my favorite season. But, oh, for sure. Um, I love the least changing. Uh, I actually looked it up. So Hawaii, you're right. And uh, Arizona. Mm. Arizona's the other state. Doesn't oh, change. well, that's uh, maybe it's time to move to Arizona. Or, yeah. I definitely don't want to live in Hawaii, man. I know people think that it's some sort of paradise. I had two friends that lived in Hawaii. And they said, at first, it's awesome. Yeah. But later on, it's just terrible. Terrible, terrible place to live. Good place to vacation terrible place to live yeah from what i hear yeah. yeah i'm sure i'm sure about that like there you you yeah. know you go to some places and you're like i loved i'd love to stay here for a week or two but that's about it <laughs> and then and then i'm out of here apparently hawaii has a a problem with cockroaches because you can't contain them yeah yeah man because they're like on the island once they're on the island it's very difficult to get rid of them for sure because they multiply by the thousands oh, yeah. thousands super quick and apparently that is something that's just part of the Hawaii lifestyle. And this is similar to, I think, South Carolina. So last year for our late, or not last year, two years ago, for our late honeymoon, my wife and I went to South Carolina. And they have these bugs that are legit cockroaches. Okay, but they have a special name for them. I guess they are part of like palm trees or something. That's where they reside or that's what they live on. So we're walking out of this restaurant, walking to our car, and on the ground, you just see this giant cockroach just fucking screw right across the street. And I'm just like, that's weird. And we Airbnb'd it. And in the house later that night, we hear this, like, rattle in the sink. And we're like, what the fuck is that? And giant fucking cockroach just crawls right out. And I'm just like, we talked to the Airbnb people. They're like, no, man, that's just normal. That's normal within, like... uh, warm climates and places with palm trees That's so whack. yeah man no. and you you get in hawaii bringing it back to there you get not just cockroaches you get like lizards and stuff just chilling in your house i mean people might find that cool like lizards or or geckos or whatever it's cool but when you have to deal with that on the reg it's, it's kind of a pain in the ass. i get really annoyed yeah, yeah. I, it, you're you're lucky that you had like patience. I probably would have just burned the whole Airbnb down and have to pay them back. <laughs> that would oh, I would not. bugs, palmetto bugs. That's what they're called. Palmetto bugs. Yeah, check it out. All right, I'll look that up. Palmetto if you want to do a quick bugs. Google search, they're, they're cockroaches, man. They're palmetto just, bugs. Huh. I think that's what they're called. Palmetto bugs. Yeah. Yeah, I see it here. Ew, yeah, it said, okay, so you Google palmetto bug. And you get cockroaches. American cockroach. You know, like, yeah. what, like, okay, they're called, they're just, they're trying to sound like fancy. Like, you have, like, some, some, like, chicken nuggets, like, breaded chicken filet on a plate. Yeah. Like, it's the same, it's the same shit, right? Like, no, yeah, it's, a, it's, 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 a, it's a cockroach. It's, it's, yeah. a, it's a cockroach. That's disgusting. 
So we we just stopped making bread. That's the whole point of getting a B- Airbnb. We're way off Raptors talk, but that's the whole point uh, of getting an Airbnb is to not have to spend money every day and go to a restaurant for breakfast and lunch. And you can just buy stuff at the store and cook at the house. Yeah. Well, now I don't want. At that time, I'm just like I don't want to have my food here like what what do we do so we we ended up i mean it's our honeymoon so we we didn't care about spending money at that point but right yeah palmetto bugs man if anyone's listening down south they're fucking cockroaches they're not palmetto bugs get it right i get that you guys live with them and you might have had these around you all your life and they might be for all intents and purposes harmless but they're fucking cockroaches so yeah no uh, no, sir these are not cockroaches yeah yeah. go to hawaii go to hawaii stop this is the Overtime Podcast Network. But let's bring it up to the Raptors. So let's let's catch I'm everyone down. up to speed. There are no fucking Palmetto bugs up in Toronto, and if they no. are, they're dead right now. No. So um, Raptors second seed in the Eastern Conference with the second best record in the NBA, forty nine. I mean, sorry, forty seven and nineteen. Still two and a half games behind the Bucks, who are just truly unstoppable, and I think that's where the Raptors are going to remain. Um, after dropping two in a row to Detroit on the road, or quote unquote on the road, like second Toronto, I guess, home, in Detroit. Home. Yeah, and one at home in Houston. We have talked about both of those games at great length on your podcast. So if anybody wants to check that out and hear our thoughts on that, I encourage you, and even if you don't, I encourage you to subscribe to the TSV podcast. Oh, what a um, nice plug. Oh my God. Yeah, that's what I'm Saying all about. It better than I would. That's beautiful. Um, they ended up capitalizing on a win last night against New Orleans, largely due maybe to some roster absences on the Pelican side, but they they dominated that game. So given all of this, with only 16 games remaining as of this recording right now, how do you feel about this team heading into the playoffs? Are you confident? Are you are you good? Or are you seeing some cracks in the pavement that get you a little bit worried? No, I'm pretty confident. I mean, I, I, know, I know we kind of touched on this a little bit, on my podcast, but I think it's, it's time to go a lot more in depth here Um, with the matchups and, you know, the rest of the regular season, the Raptors will just kind of coast and for the Raptors in a potential matchup in the first round, you take a look and you see, okay, we, we could match up against uh, Detroit. We could match up against Brooklyn or God forbid something happens. Someone goes on some crazy 76ers run of 2018. It might be another team. But when you're taking a look at the potential first round matchups, nothing really scares you to thinking, well, the Raptors could lose this. No, I I think that the first round will kind of be a breeze. Second round, depending on where the Raptors are in the bracket in terms of standings and stuff, um, that could be a little bit iffy. But again, there's really not one team that scares me into thinking the Raptors are going to lose this no matter what. I think that the Raptors can still challenge any team in the East and beat any team in the East. That's bold. I think, I think that they can. I think that even Milwaukee, I think that they can challenge them and beat them in the playoffs. Uh, that would be, that would be the toughest opponent. I, I feel, um, 76ers. I think the Raptors could beat them in five. I'm not worried five. about them. Wow. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. Five. Five. The Celtics, six games, they're garbage. Um, you look at the Bucks, and the Bucks have the most complete team outside of the Toronto Raptors, in my opinion. Um, and well, uh, and we're not talking about Golden State. I'm not. No, we're just talking there. about the East. Yeah, we're we're, t- we're talking about we're focused on the East. So someone's like, "Well, Golden State and Durant and all that." No, quiet. Yeah. All right, I'm talking about the East. 
the Bucks have done an amazing job with centering with making the team surround Giannis and then putting him with shooters and great supplemental players that understand the role and know what they need to do and do it effectively. Chris Middleton, second option for scoring, can shoot, can drive, was an all-star this year. Good for him. That's He he might not ever do that again, but he's having an outstanding year, and it's you, you have to recognize that. Um, in addition, like Nikola Mirotic at the deadline was unbelievable for them. It adds another layer of shooting. you got... Brooke Lopez, I know he's not a sharpshooter, but he can shoot. He can he can shoot the three. Um, Malcolm Brogdon off the bench, like they, they have a very strong team. It's very deep. Um, that is something that concerns me as a fan of the Toronto Raptors because I think that they match up well against Toronto, and I think that Toronto just matches up better against any other team in the East. So Milwaukee's the only team that I could be like, yeah, I could see Toronto going to seven games with this team. But all the other teams, I don't think that Toronto will go to seven. That's just me. So they're gonna remain in second place. I don't. I don't think that's gonna yeah. change on either end. Like the Pacers, right now as a third seed, and even if Philly edges them out and goes into the third seed, the Raptors right now have a five game lead over the Pacers, and I want to say they won the series against them. Um, they did. Okay, so you have the Pacers need to catch up five and then win one more while the Raptors lose six. I don't think that's going to happen, um, especially given how we've talked about the strength of schedule that the Raptors have for the remaining 16 games of the schedule as of today. So I think that the Raptors are pretty much stuck in second. They're not catching up to Milwaukee. Milwaukee as well has pretty decent schedule moving forward. Anything beneath that, though, is still sort of a toss-up, right? So the Pistons aren't catching up to the Celtics. So the one through five teams... As they are, maybe not where they're standing, but the five teams are going to stay top five. Right. Period. Um, the Pistons and the Nets could switch. I don't see the Heat and the Nets switching or the Heat and the Pistons switching. I think, if anything, Orlando and the Heat might switch from the ninth to eighth seed or what have yeah. you. I don't think that. Or maybe Charlotte gets in there. Otherwise, those are the top ten teams right there. So the having said that the Raptors are going to remain in the second seed, as of today, not that this means anything. Again, anything could change. But as of today, they're going to start round one of the playoffs against the Nets. Yeah, I'm confident in that. Especially given the Raptors with home court advantage against the Nets. They played us tough, no doubt about it. But I just like the, the playoff experience that the Raptors have in comparison to the Nets. I like the, the talent, of course, compared to the Nets. I think the Raptors would easily edge that out. Regarding a round two matchup, now it could be as of today against what? The Pacers or Pistons as of right now. Or yeah. if 76ers get that third seed, it would be against, if everything else remained the same, the Sixers and the Pistons. And given the 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 top five teams, we would assume that the Sixers would edge that out against the Pistons. So it would right. end up being the Sixers against the Raptors. Again, yes, I am confident that the Raptors could win that series. Uh I don't would you say five games? I think five. Yeah, I I I'd probably push that to six. Um although I do think the Raptors have the edge the obviously over the like, Sixers. Like with that with that I'm I'll, I know you're on a thing. I I'm, I want to explain why I think 5 cuz yeah. Toronto Toronto would start out at home and I think that they would take both home games. I think they would drop game 3 on the road or game 4 depending I think that they would take one on the road, come back home and win at home. Okay. 
That's right. my that's my mindset in that because I don't think that I, I just think that Toronto would take care of business at home against a team like Philly. Okay. That's- and I, I don't disagree. I just think that the the longevity yeah. of the season would be I mean sorry, the series would be a little bit more. Yeah. And then you have the Bucks. I don't all right, we talked about this a little bit on your show. I am not a hundred percent confident that the Bucks could push it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Yes, on paper, right now they are the best team Hot in the East. Take. All right, I, look, if they end up facing one of, if everything else remained the same and they end up facing the 76ers or Celtics in round two, that has a seven-game series written all over it for me. I really believe that. I think that the Celtics are, they're, they're experiencing some trouble. They beat the Warriors handedly. I think they uh, handed them their worst loss as Steve Kerr as head coach, with Steve Kerr as head coach, rather. And again, this is without Clay Thompson, but they they still beat them handedly, right? The Celtics could come out swinging, or the Sixers could come out swinging against the Bucks and expose them, or really challenge Giannis. It's it's probably not going to happen, but it's not unbelievable to think that. Yeah, I mean, you look at the team on paper, and we said that they were going to be the ones to match up against the Raptors in the Eastern Conference Finals, so we know they have the talent. I just think that Kyrie is a cancer right now to this team and what he's doing. Like they're playing better. It's it's, you can't argue this. They're playing better without him than they are with him. Yes. Right. Yes, like 100%. statistically you can be like, well, no, he's their leader. He's their best player. That's fine. It's an argument. But statistically, when I present you with the numbers, they are better, playing better with Kyrie than they were without. Uh, w- they're playing better without Kyrie than they were with him. That's absolutely. So true. yeah, there's, there's something there's something to be said about that. Like that's because it was there's twelve it was a twelve game sample size when I last checked it. It might be different now. Um of games over the last like twelve games, like with Kyrie versus without. And in games with Kyrie, they were 0 and six. And in games without Kyrie, they were six and well, that's changed because of the victory over Golden State. It's, it's, yeah, it's changed it's changed now, yeah. but um when they were sort of I think this they analyze this when they lost against the Raptors. Um, and these numbers started coming out and the, the team just seems to flow better. I think that they understand what they need to do. Everything's about roles in the NBA, right? Like someone's like, I know I need to do this. I know that this is what I need to do. I think with Kyrie on the floor commands so much where these players are like, Oh, what, what do I do? What do I do now that he's on the floor? Jason Tames, like, well, do I just sit there? Like, do I just, do I let Kyrie do everything and pick up his scraps or like, so for the young guys, I think it's very confusing because they're young and they're like, well, I can't just transition in roles like Mm -hmm. that. Right. Um, if it was a veteran team, then I would say, okay, what's wrong with the team? I wouldn't really blame Kyrie, but there is a, there is a systematic problem there and it might catch up with them in the playoffs or they may fix it. But as of right now, I'm just not confident that in 15 games they can figure it out and have and gels incredibly well with Kyrie and, and have him be the King of Boston in a span of a month. I just don't think that it can happen. So I'm not trying to pick on the point, but Raptors fans sort of fall into this trap that you're falling in right now. And when it comes to our laundry, we analyze the rules and analyze the intangibles and apply them to the team and don't apply them to others. Specifically, we say over and over again that the regular season doesn't matter. What matters is the playoffs. 
But when it comes to other teams, we analyze their regular season trends or performances, and we say they're toast in the playoffs. We can't have it both ways. There's a serious cognitive dissonance right there. When we say about the Raptors, we have all this leniency regarding the regular season. Don't worry about these games that we're dropping. All that matters is the playoffs. Why can't we apply that to the Celtics? It's fair, but the Raptors are winning 60 games in the regular season. That's true. Right? It's like like it's not like, again... They don't ask you out how they ask you how many and right now the Raptors are winning more games than the Celtics. So just looking based on records, something has to be said about that, right? Like I understand that it's just the regular season and you know, you look at a four seed like Cleveland last year and you can really say, well, that's a LeBron James team. The regular season doesn't matter. But for this Boston team, I had just something that I look at and I'm like, well, there's something seriously wrong here. Like there's like this, something is not working here. It's taken massive performances by Gordon Hayward to get them out of games in the last like week or two. I know that they were dominating Golden State, but mm-hmm. you know he had to hit a buzzer beater and have a vintage Hayward performance. Do I think that that's going to maintain? I, I don't know. I don't. Th- I don't think so. But it could. Right. right. Um, again, they they don't have as many wins as Toronto. So I get like I, I get your point, but the Raptors have, will only probably lose. 22 to 23 games this year when like 59, 60, 61. It's a good mm-hmm. number. I don't disagree. I just think that when you have these veteran guys and with playoff experience that we've been talking about that the Raptors have, and that's what gives them an edge over teams like maybe Detroit or uh, Brooklyn, you have to sort of lend that to Boston. Like Kyrie Irving does have playoff experience. Gordon Hayward does have, albeit very little, but still has some playoff experience. Um, Al Horford does have playoff experience. These teams, I mean, these players on this team, it's not their first rodeo. So maybe come the playoffs, they're able to sort of put all the bullshit aside and sort of persevere and overcome. Like, I think that the, the, the Celtics... Sixers potential playoff matchup is very interesting. And I think that has seven games written all over it because I think they're very similar in terms of their matchups. Um, However, if it's Celtics Pacers round one, I think Celtics got that in five. Five. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. See that's so then I do six. I I feel, I feel like I'm in in the boat that you're in with uh, Philly 76ers and Raptors. Yeah. Um, I, I can see that stretching out a little bit longer, but I don't see the Celtics losing that. I agree. Like I, I don't think I don't think it would be a hard fought six games. I just think that there there would be six in there. But yeah, I, I'm just not confident. I get I get the, I get the con- like I get I get the confidence in like you have more confidence in the Celtics than I do. Like that's 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 evident. Um, no, I'm I just not sleeping on them. That's all. Yeah. Uh, I I don't I don't know if I'm I don't know if I'm sleeping on them like I've given them the benefit of the doubt all year. Um, I said you know like like I had the argument the regular season really doesn't matter guys as long as they get there they'll probably end up in a top three seed. Um, even if they're below Milwaukee and Toronto whatever it doesn't matter they'll probably be there. Uh, this team's too good doesn't matter blah blah. But you see like body language on the bench of the Celtics with Kyrie Irving. Like he's, he's incredibly disinterested um, comments that he's making uh, toxic remarks from other players. You know, we're, we're not having fun right now. Like to me, when you hear those things over and over and you see those things in the flesh, 
that's when it starts to become a little bit more real for me. And that's why I get this doubt in my head. Like, well, hold on a second. No, no, you're, you're supposed to be better than this. Marcus Morris isn't supposed to be saying we're not having fun. We're, we, we hate this. That's a veteran. It's not a rookie. So that's when I start to get red flags. And that's why I have the opinion that I have about Boston. I just don't think that it's going to work. Okay, fair. Like, I, I, I'm not saying these points that you're making aren't valid. No. Yeah, and your your point your points are valid too. I just I, I like to you know it's it's a good healthy debate to defend both our, our right, viewpoints right. on this. I, I just being in the area as much as I am, I have fallen to the trap of disregarding this team or disregarding any New England based team and saying that you know that history can't repeat itself over and over again. They can't always be good, and they somehow take that shamrock out of their ass. And and overcome these demons. I I don't know. I I I, I, yeah, I haven't seen the Celtics with this much disarray in terms of uh, personalities clashing. I haven't seen that. So maybe this is a different recipe for the team this year. So it's going to be interesting moving forward. But re- regarding the Bucks and the Raptors uh, potential Eastern Conference Finals, and I think that's what everybody's sort of zooming towards in terms of the optics. I'm not nearly as confident as you. The Bucks look absolutely unstoppable. And do I think that the Raptors could beat them? Yes. But do I think the smart money is on the Bucks going to the finals? Assuming that they get out of round two. I think round two is going to be a big test for Milwaukee. But assuming that they get out of round two and face the Raptors in the Eastern Conference Finals, I don't know, man. I don't know. It, not with how, and we're going to get into the nitty-gritty, but not with how this bench has been playing that the Raptors have. I think that with the Bucks, they're long, and they got shooters, and the Raptors don't have either. Yeah, but the rotation will be cut down to probably, what, eight, max nine men? For what, the Raptors? Yeah. No, I'm thinking ten. We're going to get into that later, too. Okay. So then I'll, I'll hold off on All that. right. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, well, let's let's sort of jump into that, all right? Let's talk about uh, Nick Nurse and his rotations as of right now, right? Because even though, as I mentioned, they had a very strong victory over the Pelicans on Friday, I have a lot of concern regarding Nick Nurse and his rotation heading into the playoffs. Um, We're still playing this guessing game regarding Gasol and Serge and who will start. Some view this as a positive thing, while others, much like myself, find this to be incredibly frustrating. So... You can isolate the Surge and Casal thing if you want, but in totality, are you concerned with the continued fluidity heading into the playoffs regarding the rotations? I wasn't, and now I am. And I didn't think that this fluidity would continue until, what What are we, I know we're like 15 games out basically, but like, you know, game seven, the games late 60s, like in, in game 68 or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. But the Raptors specifically Nick nurse keep having fluidity in the starting lineups. I understand that you had a lot of injuries, so I get that. And I almost use that as a crutch when defending the fluidity of lineups for Nick nurse. Like, well, look what he has to work with. Well, there's players out all the time, blah, blah, blah. Having Fred Van Vliet injured doesn't, shouldn't change your starting lineup. He's not a starter. So for me, you need to establish a starting lineup and it needs it need to be done already because now you need to give these guys, you should have given them at least a third of the season 
to play with each other, develop chemistry, um, understand where each person's going to be. Like, if you look at the start of the game yesterday, um, Kyle Lowry and somebody else both passed alley-oops to Marcus All, and he had no idea that they were coming. He looked, he's like, oh, and he's trying to grab the ball, and then it's, it's not Marcus All's fault. He just doesn't know, right? Because he hasn't played with them for a significant period of time where he knows. I'm in this situation. Kyle Lowry has the ball. He's going to pass me an alley-oop, and I better be ready for it. He's thinking, okay, I got to get into my position. I'll I'll post up or whatever, and all of a sudden, the ball's right over his head. Mm -hmm. So there were signs yesterday that made me question how the lineups are are being used and the the fluidity of them. They need to be solid now. It needs to be done. It, It needs to be locked in. Uh, here's your starting lineup. Here's your bench mob, quote unquote. And you're going to work with these guys for the rest of the year. So you better get to know one another. You better get to know where they're going to be and how they're going to play. It's a little late in the game, right? Because we only had 16 uh, games left of the season. And look, I, I think what you mean when you say that the starting lineup needs to be solidified, I think you are specifically talking about Gasol and Serge because well, yeah, because that's really the only changes. In correct, the, right? Yeah. And when when no one's resting, hint hint, Kawhi, nudge nudge, Kawhi. Mm-hmm. Um, there, you have to make mandatory uh, substitutions in that aspect. So I understand that. It seems to me that there's this delicate balance of Nurse protecting locker room um, morale and doing what's best for the team. And I don't, I'm not a head coach. I've never had to deal with a situation like this. So I'm speaking out of complete ignorance. But it wouldn't surprise me if, like, he's sort of slowly adapting Gasol more and more. I think since the All Star break ended, right? And so the unofficial second half of the season here, Gasol has started more games than Serge. I think Serge has maybe two or three starts under his belt. So. It seems like Nurse is inching more and more towards having Gasol start and you know, making that process a little slow so Serge can sort of get used to it and not be so frustrated. And heading into the playoffs, he'll be full go with that. But I think you're right. I think that when you're trying to develop this chemistry and when you're try- trying to develop this familiarity with your players on the floor, specifically the starting lineup, um, you need to make this more of a robust starting rotation. It needs to be clear. And given that the Raptors, I think, maybe have one or two more back-to-backs, we're not going to have to deal with this bullshit of Kawhi resting or getting uh, maintenance days heading into the playoffs. We maybe see one or two more games like that. Right. So that's going to be crucial for the Raptors to insert Saul, who's a, a newly acquired player on this team. Right. I think it's unreasonable to think that he's picked up the offense like that and we're just gonna he's just going to fit in like a glove. Right, he's not going to be exactly what JV was, and I think that you know Kyle Lowry. To your credit, what you said about the alley oops, like JV would have been prepared for that, and we've seen him be prepared for that. Gasol might not understand that that's how the offense is operating. So moving forward, I think it's in Nurse's best interest if he is working about worried about locker room rationale. I don't necessarily think he is. I'm just these are the options that I'm coming up with. I think he's got to drop it. Right, because right now all that matters is the playoffs. Right, we can't be playing these guessing games anymore. Serge, unfortunately, has not been playing as well with the bench as we would like him to. For some reason, he has a very 
uh, good relationship in terms of chemistry with Kyle Lowry. And I think when they both play together, they're both successful. So I, I, it's a delicate balance that you have to figure out. But I think Nurse, it's in the team's best interest. If they're going to roll with Gasol for the playoffs, which I believe that they will, you got to implement that right now for the rest of the way. I agree. And going into last night's game, um, Serge Baca and Marcus Gasol had equal number starts at center three piece. Since the All-Star so, break? Since the All-Star break. Oh, okay. Then never mind. I'm way off. So Marcus Gasol got his fourth start out of seven games against the Pelicans, which just edged out Ibaka. So it's been it's been pretty even. It's been back and forth um, in terms of that aspect. The one thing that you touched on that I really that, that I really want to see is he needs to have Marcus Hall because Marcus Hall will be the de facto starting center going into the playoffs. That needs to be solidified, not really necessarily as much for Gasol, but more for Ibaka because Ibaka has not played well on the bench. Um, that point has been made throughout numerous waves on social media and people recognize that. I recognize that you do. You know, Marcus Hall hasn't really played well with the bench either. So I don't necessarily know if it's Ibaka per se or just the bench but it's you if you're going to be in that role going into the playoffs you need to play with them as much as you can to develop reps to develop the chemistry because like Mark Hall right now not knowing where he's going to be right Serge Ibaka doesn't really know where he's going to be with this with uh, Jeremy Lin throwing him passes or Norman Powell giving him looks so. if we're going to have Friday night be evidence towards where Serge is trending with the bench I think it's positive Right, he was a plus eleven with twelve points and eleven rebounds, so he had a double double on Friday. But I don't know that we can use that as some sort of evidence because a the sample size at one game isn't even a sample size, and b it was against a terrible New Orleans team, a glorified G League team, basically. Yeah, and let's also Kyle Lowry had a triple double. Not to say that he's not capable of it, but we haven't seen Kyle Lowry in triple double in quite some time. So yeah. I think that if Serge can sort of use that to build confidence moving forward, I think that's that's a very positive thing. But I just don't know that he's going to be able to do that without having Kyle Lowry on the floor with him. Jeremy Lin, we're going to get into this in a minute, but Jerry, Jeremy Lin has taken quite a bit of time to get comfortable with this team and we're hoping that Fred Van Vliet is going to come back soon. But even when Fred was playing with Serge, I wasn't wowed, man. I don't know that Fred Van Vliet and Serge mesh well. Like the ball placement from Fred to Serge isn't nearly as good as it is from Kyle to Serge. Absolutely. So I'm worried about both of them, Jeremy Lin and Fred Van Vliet with a guy like Serge Ibaka on the bench heading into the playoffs because as a team, we cannot afford these detriments, right? We can't afford these disparities and these long runs by the opposition. We just can't. And that has been our kryptonite all year. So it, we we need to do whatever it takes to get these rotations comfortable. I don't mind the staggering. I really don't. I think there's something to be said about that, it, like heading into maybe late in the second quarter or in the fourth quarter. You want to mix it up a little bit? Fine. That's fine. But starting first quarter, these need these roles need to be solid. They need to be familiar, and they need to be stabilized. Amen. <laughs> I I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I, like like you're you're saying exactly what I would say. So I really okay. I really don't have much to add on that. Besides, that's 
absolutely 100% fact. That's your, right. here's your spot. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Let's move on to Jeremy Lin then. Um, with the exception of Friday night, we can look at his struggles twofold. All right. So on the one hand, you have someone that's been inserted into a critical role for this team as a backup point guard who is yet to really grasp the system over the course of eight games with the team. But on the other hand, you can't really fault him because it's tough to grasp the system that's constantly shifting around him due to, the, as we've been discussing at length, the lack of stability with the rotations. Yep. Again, with 16 remaining games, what do we do? What do we do to make him more comfortable? And it's going to add a nice, interesting cog in the machine when Fred Van Vliet comes back because apparently he's ahead of schedule. So what do we do to get... Fred up to speed in terms of game shape, in terms of getting back into rhythm, and Jeremy Lin finding his space on this team. Well, I think that it's going to be incredibly similar to how we played Fred Van Vliet and Dawn Wright um, in terms of the dynamic between Jeremy Lin and Fred Van Vliet. Um, with Fred, I'm not really worried about him getting used to the the game speed and the team again. He'll do that on his own. Um you noticed when we brought him back in the playoffs last year, it took him about five, six, seven games to really get his shot back, to get his rhythm back, to get his timing back. I don't even think he did. He didn't. He didn't really, but he started showing signs of it, but it wasn't fully there. I, right. I'll I'll admit to that. Yeah. Um. So if you can get, like, if he comes back in the next within the next five, six games, and you give him ten games to get his rhythm and timing and shot back and floor spacing and sight of the uh, sight of the floor passing screens movement. I, I think that that should be sufficient enough. So at that point, I'm not really worrying. I don't really plan on making excuses for him at that point, but Jeremy Lin's a smart dude. This guy graduated from Harvard. Like he yep. knows that it's, it's not, it's not the fact that he doesn't have the intellect to pick up on it. So, um, when you're dealing with someone like that, you should just treat him like an intellectual, right? Like you, you should, you should be out there saying, okay, we're going to give it to you straight up. This is what we want you to do. Like, I, I think that he would appreciate that more. And I'm not saying they're beating around the bush with him for anything. I'm just saying then someone beating around the bush, I'm saying, well, you could play here. Like this could be what you could do. Like, I think that if you work in definitives with uh, Jeremy Lin, it would be just a lot better. So in saying that, definitives being here is your rotation that you're working with. This is what you need to know about these players. Go execute. And I think that that's really what we need to be doing in Jeremy Lin. The fact that it's so fluid, he's looking and he's going, well, I haven't played with this guy. I've played with this guy for a quarter. Where is he going to be? Oh, I don't really know what, what the spacing is going to be with this guy. Like, he, I, And he's trying to create because he doesn't, like he's trying to take it all on his own. He's trying to take the onus on himself because he doesn't know where anyone's going to be. So he's like, fuck it. I'll take the ball and drive. Right. And then, and then he gets hacked. And we said, well, Jeremy Lin's garbage. No, he just doesn't know what he's supposed to do. That's, that's my, that's my evaluation on it. So you're not far off from what Nick nurse has uh, offered to the media in regards to Lynn's struggles. And uh, so I'm going to read you the full quote. Nurse said, we've got to get him more comfortable. He's just a little uncomfortable with me. I think more than anything. 
I like to let those guys have freedom. I say to him, Jeremy, hey, call something. You know, you got the ball in your hands and you look at you look like you don't know what you're going to do out there. I'll say, you don't have to look at me. Just call this, this, or this. Pick one. He's got to get a little bit more comfortable. Even though I've tried to shorten it down to like three things, he's so new that he can't quite come up with one. I need to give him more help. I need to give him more help until he's more comfortable with that. So it, there seems to be some sort of... I don't want to say disconnect between Nurse and Lynn, but I don't know if this lends credence to the playmaking being too difficult or maybe hard to grasp for Lynn. As you mentioned, he's a, he's a smart dude, so I'm really not persuaded by that suggestion. But it seems that he he needs guidance as to how he's going to operate on the floor, and if that's the case, there's got to be more practice time with with Lynn in the in the unit that he's going to play with because he can't be relying on like the sidelines to dictate plays. Like this isn't football. You got to look at what's in front of you. You got to analyze the opposition and call a play. And maybe that's where Fred slides in a little bit better. And maybe I overestimated Jeremy Lin being the primary backup point guard for this team, and he'd work better off ball as the two with the bench. I think he'd work better off the ball, personally. Um, I think that Fred, even when he plays with Kyle Lowry in the starting lineup, he's the primary ball handler and Kyle plays off. Right. So I think that that's very telling as it is. I don't think that Nick Nurse would bring Fred Van Vliet into the second unit with Jeremy Lin and say, okay, you're playing off ball. Cause he'd be, well, what the hell if I'm, I'm playing on ball with Lowry, like Lowry's playing off ball. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that anybody's valuing Jeremy Lin's point guard skills over Kyle Lowry's point guard skills, like, like ball handling skills. So in terms of that aspect, I don't think that it was ever in the minds of the Toronto Raptors that Jeremy Lin would be the primary ball handler when Fred Van Lee comes back. Um, and I don't think that it should be. I think that Fred Van Vliet is better served as a primary ball handler. And I think that Jeremy Lin is better served in that second unit as the second ball handler, the off-ball option. I think that that's just how he slots in better because if plays are called for him, I think he can execute well. Um, he understands, like he has the knowledge to understand what they are, but especially if he doesn't, he doesn't have the foresight yet with this team to say, okay, we're calling this play then it might be better suited for him to slot into the off ball and see everything work in front of him. So then if he, if Fred and Kyle aren't on the floor and he's a primary ball handler after reps of seeing plays run, he now has that knowledge to say, okay, I've seen this play run by Fred or I've seen this play run by Kyle and it worked really well in this situation. I'm going to call that. So I think that that lends some credence into helping Jeremy Lin become a better on ball handler by having him off ball for a little bit, if that makes sense. It does. And I think the, I'm going to throw another quote at you. Yeah. What Lynn said is lends uh, a lot of credence towards what you're suggesting. So Lynn said, I was always more of a free spacer, free flowing playmaker. That's just kind of who I am by nature. That's my personality. That's probably what attracted me to this team. And obviously vice versa. We got to, just make the pieces fit and we will. So in other words, we got to make the pieces fit. I work better off ball. I work better sort of freestyling 
I didn't, even hear, I didn't even hear that quote, to be honest. Like, like yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I, like, that's the first time I've heard that quote. I've, I've heard Jeremy Lin, obviously, with quotes, just not that one. So, interesting. Yeah. So, it, it seems to me that there's more of a strategic side that Fred Van Vliet fits in well with in terms of playmaking, in terms of calling something that's part of uh, the Raptors' game plan, and whereas Lynn might be better off the fly. Lynn might be a little bit better adjusting to what the opposition is handing if a play doesn't work, and then he could sort of free space it. And I think that's more suitable for a two-guard playing off-ball than the the play caller as the point guard. So maybe... I have made the suggestion before that uh, I'd rather see Fred play off ball because he just dribbles the air out of the ball and there seems to be no rhyme or reason behind it. But if it terms in terms of comfort and in terms of what's better suited for the individuals, I guess I was wrong. And Jeremy Lin is much better suited as the two. Yeah. And, and that's, that's evidence. Now I, I can see the argument from before. Because we understand that Fred is very ball dominant when he's a primary ball handler and the play almost sort of runs through him. Whereas we could say, okay, if the ball's not in your hands all the time, maybe you have to create a little bit more and and, and run through a play more than you would just taking the ball, drive the drive the hoop or dish out after a drive or whatever. But seeing Jeremy Lin's comfortability or lack of with running plays for the second unit and his quote that he's just said that, that you spoke of, I think that's all the reason to keep Fred as the primary ball handler when it comes to the second unit. Well, last night, Friday night, rather, he had a very um, comfortable game, I guess you can say, yeah. in terms of his offense production. He had 14 points, uh, two for three from deep. Sorry, those are the first two threes he's hit in a Raptors uniform. Uh, that's sixty, approximately sixty-seven percent from deep. Four turnovers, though. So he's still adapting. He's still adjusting. And I think it's fair that once things, as we've been saying, sort of stabilize and become more uh, familiar, then he should be just fine. I, I have no worries with Fred Van Vliet and Jeremy Lin running the bench heading into the playoffs. I don't. I, I think, as you mentioned, this is a guy that's very smart. His basketball IQ is very high, Jeremy Lin I'm talking about. And he's a vet. He's been changing teams pretty often. He's a sort of a journeyman in the NBA. And that's a lot of teams, that's a lot of knowledge that you're picking up on, right? No system is exactly the same. It's not like he's been running the Knicks system his entire career, right? <laughs> he's been adapting to what the teams are calling for. So I have no worries about his playoff performance moving forward. I don't either. And and I, I like him as a better option on the off wing on a second unit than it would DeLon Wright. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh let's get into the topic of playoff rotations. You mentioned earlier that you're thinking maybe around eight, I said ten. So we're inching closer, as we've been saying, to the playoffs. And it's gonna be critical for everyone on the floor to have like their roles figured out and to be on the same page. So assuming that this fluidity that we've been discussing is reduced. You say eight. What's your playoff rotations? Well, yeah, I like like I, I, I said eight, but I, I it depends on the matchups, and I and I don't think I don't think he's going to go down to eight. I was just using eight as more of a hypothetical because that's what a lot of playoff teams do. Um, they lean on eight heavily, and then they'll rotate a nine and ten in. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
periodically. For the starting unit, it's going to be the same starting unit. It'll be Lowry, Green, Leonard, Siakam, Gasol. Yep, agreed. Um, off the bench, you're going to have Fred. You're going to have Serge. You're going to have uh, Lynn, most likely. Uh, and then I like it would be a toss-up between OG and, and Norm. I'm thinking both. Yeah, and then see, and that's why like like eight would be a desirable number for me, but I can see why he would roll ten because of the fact that you have OG and Norm who are both contributors. Um, I think that that would be the limit, and I don't see any room for a guy like Patrick McCaw. No, um, well, he'll be on the roster. Oh, he definitely will be. I'm not saying that he won't. Right. But I just don't see any playing time for for Gally McCaw as much as I really like him right now. I just don't see any room. Um, when you're looking at the teams and the teams that do well, in my mind, they run a very tight ship, right? And it's usually and and I and I want to see eight because I always want to see one starter at least one starter on the floor at all times, which we talked about on the TSV podcast, which you can go listen to right after this. <laughs> <laughs> so that was more of just a, a selfish need and desire in comparison to what we're looking at with the rotation. Um, real, more realistically, they're going to roll 10. Um, would I want eight? Yeah, but I wouldn't want to see an OG or norm cut out. So I would be all right with 10, but I'm just looking at it more in terms of, efficiency right not not even looking at the names i'm just looking at number wise i just think efficiency eight is the most efficient for a playoff series but it will most likely probably 100 percent be at 10 yeah i'm thinking it's going to be at 10 regularly i think that if what we're talking about having these roles established and sort of set in stone um again i don't mind staggering i think that's going to happen a lot in the playoffs but I do think there's something to be said of having, you know, five starters, five bench, at least just to start the first quarter. And Norman Powell has been doing pretty good. Is he, he, he hasn't been, you know, the norm from two years ago that we remember against Milwaukee or three years ago against Indiana. I mean, it would be nice if he showed up and played like that <laughs> against Milwaukee. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I, would, I wouldn't mind that. <laughs> Maybe he's the kryptonite. But Maybe. I, I do think OG is valuable for his defense. His shooting is certainly improved. And uh, I, I think that they're going to be valuable assets for this team in the playoffs. It's unfortunate to me. I'm sort of shifting gears. Uh, it's unfortunate to me that Malcolm Miller was brought up and rejoined the team when he did. I know he was recovering from a shoulder issue, but uh, I like his shooting. And again, yesterday, Friday night's game, small sample size. He only p- played about three and a half minutes. But he was touted as a pretty decent shooter. And that's what the Raptors need. So uh, I, I don't want to anticipate him playing at all in the playoffs unless there's a blowout on either end. But uh, I, it's just unfortunate. I think he would have been a nice little addition had he been healthy. I agree. Um, obviously, with health being the way that it was, he couldn't he couldn't play. He couldn't get reps. He, he wasn't game ready. Right. Um, coming in and now, he's, he's definitely not. Even if he's shooting the way that he's shooting, we saw in the final three and a half minutes, you know, he's just, he's not game ready, in my opinion. Even if he plays like six, seven minutes, I just, in a close game, I don't know yet. No way. If I no. can trust yeah. him because I haven't, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like, and that's the, that's the thought process, right? Um, Malcolm Miller, 
Patrick McCall and Chris Boucher are three guys that I really like on this team. And three guys who understand their role. They give you solid minutes, especially with McCall. He plays unbelievable on the defensive end. He's just like a little gnat. He's like, nee, 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 nee. He's, he's super quick and he's lengthy and he just swats it away. For, he's, yeah. Yeah, I, I love what he provides for you. But as of the team and the talent that's there, it's just it's, it's not it's not the right time for him yet. Same with Boucher. I have no doubt that these players will become serviceable players in the NBA. How much of a star status they'll be, I don't know. I, I don't assume that they'll be stars, but they can be really good players. So hopefully the Raptors can find a way to keep this talent around because even if you have 10, 11, 12 men like that, it just adds organizational depth for you in the event that a Serge Ibaka or Marcus Gasol, aka the JV situation, get hurt for like a month and a half. You can be like, oh, here's Chris Boucher in limited minutes in a backup role. Or um, two small forwards get hurt. Okay, uh, Patrick, a shooting guard, Patrick McCaw comes in. Malcolm Miller can fill in, right? Like on the wings. Right. So having those guys around is important, but do they crack this playoff roster? No. And that's, it's, 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 it's sad. It's unfortunate, but you got to really cut down it. And even a 10 for me, it's still a lot, but those are the 10 that are there are important in their own right. So it wouldn't surprise me though, if McCaw is used out of those three, right? Out of the, the Miller, McCaw, and Boucher wouldn't surprise me if McCaw was used just a little bit, you know, because yes. of the defensive ability that you're preaching about and his quickness that I was preaching about. I think that that those are valuable assets. Uh, I certainly don't really trust him offensively, but on no. the defensive end, uh, he might be a nice little valuable piece for a player too if something comes down to it. Um, but look, regarding the playoffs, regarding rotations, now are you confident we've beaten the timeouts to death? or the lack thereof when it comes to Nick Nurse. So I don't really want to talk about that. Um, that's been ad nauseum, and I think a lot of people agree. Wait, wait, time, time out, time out. Hold on. No, I'm just kidding. Go yeah. ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a properly timed yeah, timeout. That was but not bad, eh? When it comes to the leash that Nurse offers, let's say to people that are having, or players that are having an off night, specifically from the bench, are you confident that he's going to yank it quicker than he has in the regular season? <sighs> Fuck, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. And and we'll know when the Raptors really start bleeding, right? Like you need to cauterize this wound. What are you gonna do? Right. Do you do you call your timeout and insert one or two starters that you think are really gonna help? Even if it's starters, like if starters are bleeding, do you inject a couple of bench guys to provide some defense? Like even if you injected, let's say, for instance, not not saying it's gonna happen, like like a Patrick McCaw type. You know right. he's going to give you really great defense, and he could help stop offensive runs. That could be a guy like Norman Powell, right? That plays good defense. Do you inject Norman Powell in the lineup if he's on your bench? Like, what do you do? I don't think we really are going to know that answer until we're faced with that in the playoffs because the playoffs are an incredibly different animal, and obviously we've never seen Nick Nurse in the playoffs. So at this point, it's a guessing game. We really don't know. But I would I would assume that he would have a quicker leash or tighter leash, quicker trigger mm-hmm. in the playoffs in comparison to the regular season. But I think that Nick Nurse is going to have a couple of tough lessons to learn first before he really understands how fast and how quick you need to adapt in the playoffs. Um, in the regular season, I think he's just let the boys roll out a little bit longer because he wants them t- 
to see if they can handle it. Maybe like I'm, I'm trying to come up with devil's advocate points right. for why he lets them go as long as he does. But maybe he understands that in the playoffs is different. He's coached for forever. He's been in playoffs. He's won D league at the point at the time, D league titles. He's been in England, whatever. So I think that he understands how different the playoffs are for the regular season. If we do, I'm sure he does. So, uh, and being in playoff series with Raptors, maybe he might have been like, "Yo, Casey, get get these boys off the floor. Like, what are you doing?" Right. So I don't know. It's it's going to be very interesting, though. That's one thing that I'm really going to look for in Nick Nurse more than even the rotations. I think is just what do you when runs happen? How are you going to cauterize the wound? What are you going to do? Are you going to inject some life into the lineup? What's the plan? But it's going to be very interesting. I I, I don't know how he's going to handle it, but maybe you have some more insight that I don't. No, I don't. I I think that um, (laughs) there is no evidence to make me confident that he's going to be quick with the leash, you know, yanking it. Um, I do think, though, that I will give him the opportunity to prove me wrong, and I think that's pretty much what you've been saying because we haven't seen him in the playoffs. But if it's anything like the regular season, um, I don't know. Against any other team but Milwaukee, I'm not really worried about it because I think they can sort of mitigate it and make up for it. But when it comes to a team like Milwaukee, you you oh, it's all hands on deck, man. You got to be quick. You can't allow runs. You can't allow players that are just cold and not feeling it to remain there until they do. You gotta just go. You have to go for wins. You have to play to win, not play to not lose or play to build confidence. So I, I'm just worried that he's going to remain in this mode and not understand what's at stake. I hope he does, and I assume that he does. You know, this is the NBA, yeah. and I assume he knows the difference and recognizes the difference between the regular season and the playoffs. But I don't know, man. It's something in the back of my mind, just like I haven't seen it, <laughs> so I, I, I don't know that it's there. I'm just assuming that it is. It's the unknown, right? Yeah. All right, well, let's move on to the two sweet moment of the week. For me, there was only one moment. Uh, I don't know. It, it, maybe you have a different one, then this will mean there's two. So why don't you kick it off first? What is your two sweet moment of the week? I didn't. This this week was just so up and down, right? right? Like I didn't really like. There wasn't even really one that stood out for me. And you know what? I'm going. I'm, it's it's going to be off the board, and you probably won't have it. And it wasn't even a play that really happened. It wasn't a play that ended up with anything. But the the broken play in the New Orleans game where Marcus all dished out to Danny Green. And he and he almost hit the three, but missed. Like if he hit that, that's your two sweet moment of the week, no? For sure, for sure. So so for me, like there wasn't anything that that stood out too much to sort of take away from that. So even though it was a play that wasn't finished, just everything about that play and and how everything went down, for me, I know it didn't finish, but. It was 99% of, of everything except for the bucket going in. For me, that was the too sweet moment of the week. I know it's people are going to be like, oh, man, he didn't yeah, hit the bucket. Yeah. I don't care. I make the rules here. You're not on here. I make the rules except for Adam. He <laughs> makes the rules because it's his segment. Uh, 
but I'm making my own rules. I'm calling an audible. It's a play that didn't happen, but one that was very sweet. Nonetheless, that is my two sweet moment of the week. Look, there are no rules when it comes to two sweet moment of the week. I, I Damn when the Raptors hosted the Spurs, I gave it to DeMar DeRozan for the nice little spin layup. Yeah. Um, yeah, there you go. So there are no rules. However, I do think there was one that was executed, quote unquote, correctly last night, or that resulted in in scoring. Uh, it was a rebound, defensive rebound from Kawhi, deep pass to Siakam, who got trapped. Yeah. No look pass to Kyle. Kyle got trapped, passed it to Kawhi for a dunk. Um, yeah, that was, it was nice. outstanding. It was outstanding sequence. And there was, a, I noticed that in the first quarter, there are a lot of long, fast breaks. Lots and lots and lots of them. Lots of deep passes. A lot of uh, quarterback passes. They there are a lot. <laughs> I, I yeah. keep staggering yeah. here, but like there are a lot. No, no, no. It says there are. They that's in why the first quarter. Yeah, and I think that is. I'm not sure that's indicative of the Raptors. You see the opposition do it too, and I don't know if they're taking quarters off, quote unquote, just to save. Like that's how it felt yesterday to me against the Pelicans. They were. They weren't lazy. It was just like, hey, we know we're going to win this. Let's just like save our energy for the second half. So much so that the Kawhi, Kawhi didn't even play the second, I mean, the fourth quarter. No. So, didn't need to. Yeah. I, I just, I love these fast break plays, these uh, basket hanging plays. I wouldn't even call it basket hanging because I think Siakam's just so quick that he's able to run down the floor super fast. And it seems like he's basket hanging on the other end, but he's not. No. And they're able to make that deep pass to him. Well, they'll just throw it, and he, somehow he just ends up there. So for me, that was just a too sweet moment of the week, especially the Siakam no look pass to Kyle. Was yeah, that was that was nice. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's move on to predictions, and we'll call it a day. Um, I'm gonna make this short. I have a sweep, three game sweep: Miami, Cleveland, L.A. Um, Miami, Cleveland is a back to back series right there. If I guess you can say, or a back to back sequence. Um, given that Kawhi didn't play a single minute in the fourth quarter against New Orleans, no way he's resting the first night of this back-to-back. So we'll start with Miami. You already know my prediction. I'm going to call it a win. What say ye? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not concerned. <laughs> like yeah. um, they still have they have two games against Miami this year still remaining. So which is nice for the Raptors because I think that Miami's not good. They're not a good team. Right. Sorry, Dwayne Wade. Your vintage, you can have all the dreadlocks you want in the world. <laughs> it's it's uh, no, it's it's done. Uh, Miami win. I know you're going to go to Cleveland, but I'm going to jump out of you there. Yeah, so Cleveland, uh, I, I know they're both away in Miami and in Cleveland. Doesn't really matter. Cleveland has to sell two dollar tickets now to get their fans in the door. Is that and legit? That, oh, probably. I don't know. Because oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really, I really do not like Cleveland. All right. Um, you know, it's what what you're going to see. You are going to see um, Colin Sexton play well in that game. Will they win? Absolutely not. They'll, they'll, the the Raptors will win. The Cleveland right. Cavaliers will not win. The Raptors will win by like 2025. 20, um, Kawhi rest. Kawhi, Kawhi rest that game. Yeah. yeah. Um, sure. Maybe even Kyle Lowry rest. I'd like to see it. Well, no, because then you're down to one point guard. Yeah, I, no, he has to. I play. Know. He has he has to play. I know. Yeah. That's that's why I know. As I said that, I was like, wait, no, we don't have Fred. <laughs> Unless McCall gets significant minutes, which is a possibility. It is a possibility. I, I I would be really interested to see McCall sort of run a little bit of ball handling on the second unit, maybe. But again, now we're talking about different things all the time, and and 
it kind of goes back to our argument about yeah, rotations and stuff. So I, yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, it, it's gonna, you're gonna see Colin Sexton, and Colin Sexton's really good rookie. And I told you at the beginning of the year that if guys like Luka Doncic and, and Trey Young and Marvin Bagley weren't in the league this year, um, Colin Sexton might be a dark horse rookie of the year. Told you at the beginning of the year, and you're like, oh, hold on a second, hold on, yeah, hold on. He's, he's, still he's, playing, he's playing, he's playing really well. He's fourth in rookie scoring. Uh, I think he's like fifth or fourth in assists and in, in assists per game, points per game. He's like fourth or fifth. Um, he's pretty good. Uh, I, I like the kid more than most people do, especially now that no one watches Cleveland games. I think that he <laughs> plays really well. Cleveland's a dump, and the only thing that people talk about the Cavs is Tristan Thompson, the fact that he can't like you know keep in his pants so yeah um un- unfortunate guys repping brampton ontario guys a loser anyways los angeles lakers that's a win uh yeah. lebron will probably be on some minutes restrictions so we can't even have him come out and do what lebron does to the toronto raptors where he has like lebronto moments so no it's a win it's it's three in a row um we kind of alluded to that earlier that that we thought that the raptors would get 260 wins if if they're going to get 260 wins they have to win these three it's pure and pure and simple yeah yeah they, they should have no problem with a sweep this week and it's just so crazy how disinterested lebron looks it's i don't know it's i i don't feel bad because he's <laughs> so successful as like an individual yeah um but it, it's just this is obviously not what he was expecting and it's just, it, it, I don't know. It's it's just strange to see Very. that LeBron is struggling or his playoff aspirations are pretty much all but gone. So who would have yeah, thought I that do. they would have missed that? Like just missing the playoffs this year. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You think LeBron with that team, obviously they're not the best team in the West, but on paper, you think that everyone's sort of going to take a step up. Kyle Kuzma was playing really well, Brandon Ingram. You add a death point guard like Rajon Rondo and Lonzo Bell. Ball is healthy. Play Rajon Rondo in the second unit. I don't know. Z- Zubach was a good player. They traded him away for legit nothing. I don't know what the front office of the Lakers are doing. But uh, I thought that that team was like a fourth seed in the West. Yeah. I had locked in top, top, like like three, four, five, like, like middle of the pack. I think they are a minus 900. So in order to win a hundred bucks, you got to put down nine hundred now. Oh, to win to make it to the playoffs. Jesus. Yeah. Crazy, right? Very so crazy. James. Yeah. So yeah. it's uh, yeah, it's 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 interesting. All right. Well, anyways, that's gonna wrap it up. Um, Connor, thank you for coming on. You know the deal. Uh, promote anything and everything. I hear you have a little audio thing going on. I don't know what the name of it is or anything. We didn't talk about it at all. So, oh um, no, you didn't. You, no, we didn't okay. talk about it at all. Um, all right, let me let me enlighten, let me enlighten you then. Uh, I, I I started out this little thing that I just talking to a microphone. I periodically bring guests on. Uh, it's called the TSV podcast. Uh, TSV standing for Toronto Sports Views, which is what I'm all about. The views of Toronto sports. Uh, I heard your voice might have been on it maybe a couple days ago. I'm not 100% <laughs> sure, though. Um, for fans listening to this, you might want to check it out because you might hear us again, even for a longer period of time than this, even though this podcast is still pretty long. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at T-O underscore sports views. 
Check me out on Instagram too at to underscore sports views. That one needs a little help and love. Please come follow me on Instagram. I don't really use it actually all that much. Twitter's mainly where you can interact with me, so don't even really worry about Instagram. You can check out my articles on my website at torontosportsviews.com. Uh, next week, I have a podcast coming out uh, with Mike Bossetti of Raptors Rapture. So that should be a very interesting, in depth podcast. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, and yeah, that's about it. You should also, I very, I encourage you listen to my last podcast that we put out together, me and Adam on the Raptors and of the Blue Jays. If you have any Blue Jays listeners listening to this, Blue Jays fans that want to listen to our takes on the Blue Jays in spring training, you can hear that there as well. If you just want to listen to the sweet sounds of my voice and Adam's, come on down. You can like put it on while you're like in the gym or going for a walk or doing shoveling whatever. snow whatever shoveling snow like <laughs> feet like playing with your playing with your kids i don't i don't know i don't care your, your, your kids might become fans of us that would be great i wouldn't mind that go for it rolling in a new generation of fans That's All right, if you haven't already subscribe to the toronto sports views podcast the link to that will be in the description of this podcast Bless. so there's not really uh much work you have to do except for a couple thumb clicks so Otherwise, Connor, we'll do this again, I'm sure. Uh, this is, what, middle of March, early March right now. So yeah. come this time next month, we'll probably be doing an end-of-season roundtable to preview the playoffs and with the uh, with the crew. i got to get in touch with DeMar and Jordan. So we'll get that going. And uh, otherwise, thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate hey, no problem. Thank you for listening to the South of the Six podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at South of the Six and subscribe to our show. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Yeah, we're everywhere. While you're at it, if you liked what you heard, do us a solid and leave us five stars and a quick review. We appreciate it. Thanks again. Go Jays and Raptors.